Hey everyone ever, um, out there, uh, this is, well, this has been, in the past, 20th Century Pop, a podcast that maybe you've listened to before, uh, where we would, you know, uh, try to understand the present while living in the past. That's the tagline. That's something I haven't said in a while. Who, who hasn't said me? Tim. Uh, Tim Blevin. Wow, this is frantic. This is neurotic. This is not a good start for something that's not even an episode, but something that the intention is to entice you to check out an upcoming episode. And this may not do it, because this, this is, this is in disarray. Hi, I'm Tim Blevins. Did I just say that? I just said that. Wow, my memory's great. Um, hi, people. I'm, I'm a podcaster. And if you're listening to this, then you know that, because you've listened to us before. But it's been a while. 20th Century Pop, um, a show that... Uh, used to be a weekly to bi-weekly uh, show with my co-host Bob Canning and myself. Is something that has not been streaming for some time. Where where was it? Where where has it been? Where have we been? What is going on? Nine of the ten of you might be asking because one of you probably knows. Uh, well, the show went on an unannounced hiatus. Uh, not to worry, nothing is wrong necessarily. Nothing is, is, is frantic. It's just the, the transition of life is what happened. People, I, uh, people, oh my God. I'm trying to get back in the swing of this and it's not the easiest thing in the world. Look, I enjoy doing the podcast uh, with Bob. I think it's important to do this podcast with Bob. And, and what is, is the podcast? And, and on the offshoot chance you've forgotten or for some reason you're listening to this thinking it's the first episode, seriously, if this is your way of checking out 20th Century Pop, might I suggest streaming backwards to an episode where there's an actual topic. But no, the show, that's a lot of noise coming from outside. Look, I'm going to tell you real quick, I moved recently. I uh, For about six years, I was living in a town called Malden, Massachusetts, which I told everybody was Boston, uh, in an apartment with my uh, partner. Uh, we're married now. Uh, I've been married for a while. That's not the new development. But we moved recently. We moved out of that to a place. And this is this is maybe this will put some things back uh, back in perspective for you and, and show you there's a transition that happened. And it's not a transition that's supposed to be accompanied with. I don't know if you can hear that sound in the background. There's a truck outside that's rumbling. Look, um, I location, location, location. Uh, trying to warm back up to the microphone because it's been a while. Look. I've, uh, where I've been has always been important to me. Um, where I've been being a coffee shop, where I've been being a comic book shop, uh, a, a toy store, a movie theater, video store, God, I miss video stores, or the basement of my parents' uh, house growing up. Location has always been vital to my survival. Even in times where it seemed like all I would do would light up a pack of cigarettes and wander the streets looking for someone. There were streets that were at least in a neighborhood that contributed to my perception of the world and benefited in my own mind from my presence in the world. And I could soundtrack it with the music I liked, decorate it with the posters in my room, carry around the comic books I wanted to read. Basically, uh, location people, where I was, has always been important to me. I don't think that's saying anything spectacularly new. I don't think that's different. I think most of us need a home base or a local watering hole or a sitcom-like work environment or something that is where we go to feel uh, familiar. And I haven't had that. I haven't had that in a physical space for a long time. I, I, I you know, I, I, I'm 
definitely it's not my 40s. That's not the physical space I'm enjoying. And it wasn't Malden, the place that my partner and I was living. And, and it wasn't the job I have. I mean, it's a good job. I do well. It's a job that pays the bills. But it's not what I want to do. Um, so that can be difficult because when you don't want to go home, you know, when, or when you don't look forward to going home or going to whatever place it is, you, when you don't find security or comfort in going to places, you, you tend to feel untethered. You tend you can't put your foot feet down. Your foot down if you got the one feet. If you got two or more, um, eight if you're like an octopus. Um, if you if you, if you can't do that, it's very hard to grasp where you are at life to gauge where you are at life, and it's very hard to move forward. And look, I did not like where we were living. I did not like the surroundings. I did not like the mindset. And and one of the few saving graces in that scenario was my partner. Uh, thankfully, we're still together and, and living together. So that's been a, a security and, and steady. And But to keep in touch with my past, because apparently my past means so much to me because that's all I talk about on this fucking show that hasn't been up in two months. That is really noisy outside. If you can't hear it, this is a crappy microphone and I appreciate it today. If you can hear it, I'm sorry. There's no way around it. It's just a lot. Well, it just stopped. I just stopped. Okay. Um, and I lost my track of thought, my train of thought. This is a strong way to keep things going. But, uh, oh, well, yeah, we were, we're t- 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 talking basically about my past. You know, I have an attachment to my past, healthy or, un- or unhealthy, I don't know. And, and that past rises up in my mind through things like the comic books I read, the cartoons I watch, all the pop cultural ephemera that I've accumulated since birth. Um, the earliest things I can think of are probably some Richard Scarry figurines, uh, a, a diecast X-Wing fighter, a Tom and Jerry uh, rubber figurines when I was, you know, two or three. And, and since then, I've just been accumulating stuff, many, many stuffs that meant something to me and somehow allowed me to create a connection with my past. And that past has been becoming a bit threadbare. It's been wearing down a little bit. It's, 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 it's been difficult to maintain my footing because I haven't enjoyed where I've been living. I haven't enjoyed the mindset of that place. And I just had piles of my past that I couldn't even sort through. You know, I had boxes and boxes of comic books stuffed in a closet that I couldn't thumb through that I was never going to open. There were too many to to sift through. I, I had boxes of action figures shoved under the bed that I just didn't see. And the ones that I did see were scattered throughout the house, always falling down, needing to be dusted. There, there were a few shiny or, or meaningful uh, mem- pieces of memorabilia, a Sharktacon, a Silver Surfer action figure, uh, a bunch of Transformers, really, but also certain posters, books, even albums, just things that were out, you know, to remind me of this past. But as the house we, we were living in that we didn't like became less and less of a home, and became a little more decrepit as we allowed cobwebs, mice, and just the general malaise of not wanting to be somewhere to overtake it, it just became a junk pile, and it wasn't comfortable to be in. So we looked uh, to escape it. And, and I'm saying that and abbreviating the story massively, which might have been more interesting than where I'm going with this, but, but I, uh, my partner and I have moved. And we've moved out of Malden, and we moved away from Boston, and we're not didn't move back into Somerville, which is a suburb of Boston, which I'd like to tell people I was in Cambridge, even though it was Somerville, whatever. We we moved to Salem. We moved to Salem, Massachusetts, which you probably know from uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and also for the highly touted and strangely commercialized horrible practice of America of uh, punishing women for practicing their own magical beliefs. 
witchcraft and the Salem witch trials, many of which happened outside of Salem, but Salem is, is the hub of that. But regardless of it, I've always enjoyed the town of Salem. I've enjoyed it for a lot of reasons. It's right on the water. It's very, it's old looking. It's got a lot of nice old buildings. It, got, it has magic shops. It has the smells of incense everywhere. It has a history of trying to empower oneself and overcoming uh, uh, the, the ruling male class of the system and practicing beliefs. And it's just, it's a beautiful area. And it's away. You know, it's away from the city. It's away from the noise. It's away from Malden. Not, again, audience of Malden, good luck with that town. It's fine. But but I've, we've always loved Salem. And years ago, like right before we moved to Malden, in fact, which was six years ago, we looked into moving to Salem and it just seemed unobtainable. It was too far away. It cost too much money. It just wasn't a place we thought we could make a home. Cut to now, this day, this uh, this Thursday, in June, and I live here. I live here in Salem, as does my partner. We sought it out, we found a way, and we're slowly making it work. We're struggling because we still work where we used to work, so the commute is longer, and there's prices and costs to that. But we got someplace. We got to an, envi an environment that I look forward to coming home to, that I look forward and enjoy walking around, and an environment that I've never lived in before. This is a drastic change for me. I've never been in a seaport town. I've never been in this old of a town, and not since college have I really lived this far away from work and the city. So that's new, and it's wonderfully new, and it was a process that took a long time of looking, of, of visiting apartments, of saving money, of packing, and all the process. Oh, you know what it is to move, you know what that's like. So that's what has been going on for the past three or four months, a massive plan to redirect our life, and a plan that was set in motion Eight months ago, when I randomly picked April 1st as the date that we had to be out of Malden, because I was sick of it. Malden was a dead end. Malden was a town that I never wanted to be in that we had somehow gotten dormant in. Salem was new, is new to us. It's old because of the history of it, but, but it was the place we wanted to go. So moving here has been a big deal and big ordeal. And I won't go into all the details of it. Suffice to say, short to say, I'm looking forward to settling in, to building a life here, to slowly transitioning a lot of the practices that I've, that my partner Allison and I have accumulated over the past 10 years of being together. But even before that, I mean, I've been Boston-based or considered myself Boston-adjacent since 1993. 27 years ago, six years ago, 26 years ago. And now that I'm cutting those ties in a way that I don't even consider where I am part of Boston, I wouldn't even tell someone I'm near Boston, I'm starting anew. This is a new phase. You know, this is exciting. So that's happening. Um, and so that's, you know, and, and, and the stress and pressures of that made it difficult to find time to uh, contact my friend Bob Canning and record the bi-monthly episode or bi-weekly episodes and recordings we do for the show. So that's why the show has been stalled out. I've been in the middle of this massive transition. But I, that was a lot of details that are probably not of interest if you save this. Something happened in the move. Something happened through the course of moving here to Salem, um, to me, directly, that I think is good. I think it'll impact me in a big way, um, a difficult way. Already I'm feeling the pangs of this occurrence, but I think it'll impact the show. 
I think it's relevant to the show. The reason you're listening to this, if you still are, and thank you for sticking through it, isn't because you're curious about Tim Blevins, the, the, the human being. You're curious about Tim Blevins, the podcaster, and his show about pop culture of the 80s and 90s and, and the retroactive looking back on it and when, you know how it impacts you and, and, and getting older and all that wonderful bullshit. So what happened? What needed to happen and what did happen, what I think will have far-reaching effects, again, on myself in this show, is that in the process of moving, um, this difficult process of moving, I took a long, hard look at what I've accumulated. The previously mentioned, I don't know, 12 comic, long, comic book long boxes, the, the uh, plastic tub after plastic tub of action figures, the three bookcase full of CD jewel cases, each with a CD in them. I looked at all of this raw material of pop culture. And I realized I've been traveling from house to house with it. I would always scoop it up, pack it up, and travel with it. Somehow. The comic book boxes are a hassle to move up and down the stairs. The CDs take up space. And the action figures, I just don't, you know, where do you put them after a while? It's a lot to dust. So in prepping for this new move to Salem, as the process was building, I realized I don't want to lug these things with me. It's not that I didn't, did not want them. I pride myself on the comic book collection. I'm really attached to seeing the spines of the CDs to pull out. I love the action figures from the past 40 years of my life. I don't want to be rid of them, but... I don't want to carry them and see them stacking up in a closet in the middle of the room or not be able to store a winter coat or a vacuum cleaner because the, the, the closet is already occupied by um, a bin of, 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 of Lego figurines. I did not want to travel with them. I wanted to have them, but I didn't want to physically bring them with me. So... In a body horror-like metaphor, I sliced them away, in a way, from my being. The physical remnants of these things, I cut, you know, massively sliced right down with no anesthesia, starting with the comic books. I gave away my comic book collection. Um, Allison, my partner, pulled out some issues she liked. Um, I happened to have my Dazzler issues and some Indiana Jones issues that were stored elsewhere, so I still have those. But every comic book I've ever accumulated, read, and felt meant something to me in their box was taken. Not selectively, not sold off, just given away and taken to a good friend, um, Coleman Concanon. He has his own podcast. I don't know what it is because I'm a horrible friend. I should say acquaintance, so I can't promote it. But he took my comic boxes. I asked him and he wanted them. So he took them. So they're gone. A massive hole in that closet the day they, le the day they left. A relief knowing that we didn't have to move with them. And now a strange hollowness because I'm like, wait, I can't thumb through a bunch of old X-Men issues. I can't reread my Transformer issues because those actually, I did pull those and I mailed those to uh, my friend and cousin, Mike Rohr, so he would have those to read. Because again, these are people who want to see them. Coleman will read these comics. My cousin Mike will read these comics. I love these comics. And I would think about and I would sort through and look at the covers, but I was just storing them. So I gave the boxes away. And honestly, that's like f six trips down the stairs, eliminated. So that's helpful. Um, boxes and boxes of toys were still there. 
old action figures. And I, I sorted through them and I pulled out the ones I want. I found there's a lot of broken toys in my collection. There's a banged up Ninja Turtle party wagon from the Playmates line of the, of the 90s. There's some Transformers missing pieces that, you know, a ratchet that doesn't have its backing anymore. Some of the jets and they're missing their, their wings. I had a lot of plastic. And some of this shit, if that's how you review it, um, is worth money on eBay. Some of it in its pristine form would be worth a lot of money. And there's an effort where you can go through with eBay and selling it away. But honestly, packing is such a monumental Herculean task or whatever the, the reference is. So I just scooped these items up, sorted through them, picked out what I wanted, my Sharktacon, my, uh, my gem and Stormer action figures, an R2-D2, a Grimlock, a Silver Surfer that I think I already mentioned. I, I pulled some out, but most of them got tossed in the garbage bags, got tossed in the boxes that were donated, just got tossed away. Unrelentingly, I pushed these things away. And I already regret that. A, a few years ago on, this, on the podcast, I talked about selling my Ninja Turtle blimp on eBay and the difficulty of that. But at least in that case, it was going to someone's hands. I was getting for money for it. And it wasn't something I had up. Some of these toys that I got rid of were things that had been out, had been laying around. But I threw them out because those I didn't know how to divvy up. I didn't know how to hand those off to someone because nobody in the immediate vicinity wanted to play with them. I'm sure I could reach out on eBay, but the, the time and effort it would take to sell those was too much. So I threw them away. Again, saved multiple trips on the stairs, but more than that, now I don't have to find room on the TV stand or the kitchen table or even the desk that I'm sitting at right now to pose more action figures than I need. I can have a few loose ones there for the comfort, you know, my hexadecimal, my dazzler, the pre-mentioned Sharktacon, these little Lego figurines. I can have those on the desk and play with those, and that's great. But, uh, but the massive amount of what had started to become clutter, you know, ooh, another X-Wing fighter miniature, ooh, parts of Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future. I got rid of those. So I didn't have to stuff them somewhere, which again, gives more space for hanging clothes or, or storing a dustpan or boots or whatever it is that adults, I guess, use in their apartments. So that was ridding myself of toys, ridding because I, I threw them away. I moved here. One of the first things I packed, so, you know, when well before we knew we were moving to Salem, I started to have in my head this idea that packing would take a while. That was a jump, by the way. Um, but packing would take a while. So the first thing that I packed up months ago, I'm going to say like five months ago, was my CD collection. I had digi digitized most of it. I have Google Play, so I can listen to albums I want on, on, on Google Play. And there are some CDs that aren't up there, so you have to have them. But I wasn't playing, I wasn't spinning the CDs on a regular basis. I had a CD player hooked up, but mostly I listen to music on my computer now, my, on my phone and my headphones and whatever. So the CDs that I, I still had had out, they were alphabetized. I enjoyed having them there. I could pull stuff out if I wanted. I could show people, hey, this is what I listen to. This is my identity. I had packed those up. I had packed those up in a box, multiple boxes, too many boxes, and had them stuffed, you know, just in the corner of the apartment. It cleared off the CD shelves. I think we wound up putting DVDs on them or something. But but the fact of the matter is the CDs were packed in boxes. First thing packed, totally forgotten about. So when we moved, with all the boxes we were moving, we moved the CDs. Because I wasn't going to throw out the CDs. I, I threw out some loose mixed CDs. Sorry, people who have given them as gifts. I know you don't listen to mine. I didn't listen to yours, so I threw them out. Some duplicates, some empty cases. But for the most part, I moved with a, a, a numerous amount of probably three trips three or four trips down the stairs of CDs in boxes. And we brought them to Salem and those boxes, when we got here, got first thing I stuffed in a closet. So I'm like, all right, I packed these up. We don't have shelf space for them. Let's put these in the closet. 
And it's box on box on box on box in the closet, taking up space. And 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 the jewel cases are in there, and I know they're in there, but I just I, I couldn't I couldn't give that space up. It's a smaller apartment. It's a beautiful apartment, but it's smaller than where we were. So we do need to make use of some space. Plus, I, I want some nice things. I want an ironing board, maybe. I don't iron, but I want to be able to have the board. I want to be able to put the broom out of sight. I want this to be an inviting house that I remember as a child my parents keeping. So I want to have space to store stuff. So so having half a closet dedicated to cardboard boxes of CDs that nobody's looking at, let alone listening to, that seemed pointless to me. But unlike the comic books and uh, unlike the toys, I knew that I still listened to music. And I knew that some of this music was harder to find. And I knew that the medium that I listened to, I do still like CDs. I didn't, I couldn't just throw these out. I guess I could have sold them. I guess I could have donated them. What I did, what I did is I got two of those big flip books, those, uh, you know, four pouches on either side of a plastic page. And I went through my entire CD collection and I pulled out the discs. I stuck each disc alphabetica, alphabetized, excuse me, in each of the binders. So now I have two 400 each binders of my CD collection and two very e- compact, easy to carry books. Those CD books is what I'm saying. This left me with garbage bags and cardboard boxes full of CD jewel cases. Those weird plastic containers with, you know, the cover art, the back art, the liner notes, you know, CD cases, the way you would display a CD. And with the exception of a few, maybe like uh, some epoxy that ones where I enjoyed the covers, all the replacement ones because those mean something to me, a couple CDs where I wouldn't know what the CD was without the cover and I slid the cover in, with the exception of a handful of paper inserts, I scooped up the jewel cases and I tossed them into the garbage. We have a dumpster. That's where our garbage goes, massive dumpster. And I've been dumping into it garbage bags and cardboard boxes of dead body-like CD jewel cases. So that my ability to display my CD collection, them as items, them as the collectible as CDs have stopped being made, the the item that I originally bought is gone. Because I threw the case away. And then that just leaves me with the discs, which I can play on a CD player and I can alphabetize, but I don't really have a way of displaying them. And I don't have the full package and I'm no longer collecting compact discs because a collector would have the jewel cases. A collector would know the importance of the jewel cases. A collector would probably purchase albums based on which jewel case it was and would be able to display them, have them on a wall, have them out, pull them down, point to them, tell people, go figure me out, look at those CDs and figure me out. And I will tell you, I already, a day after finishing the CD booklets or the CD uh, cases with the discs in them, I already miss that. I looked inside each box and bag before I threw it out and just saw a pile of discs and I missed the tangible physical presence of those discs, the holding them, the looking at the spines, the artwork, the pristineness of some cases, the memorable dense cracks and breaks of other cases. I miss the display aspect of my music collection because I miss being able to say, there I am, pointing at them and saying, you want to figure me out? Look what I chose to have. Look at the Archers of Loaf. Look at the Toya Wilcox. Look at the Ani DeFranco for some reason. Look at the lack of Pearl Jam. Look at the majority of Husker Du. And they're gone. 
because I'm not going to climb in the dumpster because I think I saw a raccoon. I'm not going to climb in the dumpster and, and pull out the cases. Plus, where would I put them? Honestly, I'm happy to have open space. I need to keep doing this with books and, and things. But, but the fact of the matter is, it was a big deal. Not to listen, not for the past 20 minutes of telling it, but, but at least for me as a person, it was a big, painful ordeal to throw this stuff away, be it through donation or trash. Because I've been traveling with a lot of this for all of my life. And they do mean something. I still love comic books and toys and music. But the ones that I held and carried, physically carried, from home to college to apartment to apartment to apartment to finally my friend who took them in in an Uber away, those things are gone. So the display of those things, the thing that I always thought made me more the connoisseur, made them more important to me. It's like, yeah, we all grew up with comic books. See, everybody read a comic book when they were sick. Yeah, we had toys. People played with, with Secret Wars Marvel figures growing up. Yeah, music, sure, I used to have Third Eye Blind on Destiny. You know, people have that stuff. But not everybody still has it, and I did. And always did, because I felt this matters. This is important. It means something. Reverse that and you have a Close Encounters reference. So to no longer have it, to have tossed it aside, to have let it go, to have physically thrown it away and found a way to conserve some of it, I still have the compact discs. I don't have a CD player hooked up yet, but I will. But I have the discs and I have the toys that I still want to look at in the second. And I have graphic novel compilations of some of the comics, but to have to have made that choice, because I had to make the choice. That didn't happen accidentally or by tragedy. I chose each of these steps because we could have moved with all of this stuff and we didn't. To make that choice was difficult. And it shouldn't be. And you might be listening to this thinking, well, this is hyperbole to make up for the lack of an episode, because I'm sure this will be labeled a bonus episode, not an actual episode. But the truth of the matter is that was hard for me. And I immediately, while doing it, not after I did it, but while doing it, regretted it. I regretted having to sort and make a uh, Sofia Coppola choice of which Transformers to keep. And I faltered a little bit. I kept my broken Optimus Prime, even though he's broken. I kept him. I'm not going to put him out, but I still have him. I didn't keep his trailer because I'm missing pieces, but I kept him. But a lot of the other stuff, I made painful choices and tossed them in bags to throw away. Things I looked at and thought, this is 30 years old. Things I looked at and thought, this was important when you found this. This would be nice to have on the desk. This looked good. It's gone now. The comic books are gone. That's a big deal to me. I don't know if you get that or, or need to get that, but it's a big deal that these issues that all of which I went and physically bought at some points in my life and did read and did hold on to and does show a progression of time to have an X-Men collection that was pretty complete from 1987 to about 2001 and then picked up again in 2003 and then finally tampered off in 2008. To have that in a couple of boxes is a testament to something. Not something I can explain in words, not something that impacts my interaction with you if we were interacting, but something that impacts the show and something that impacts my mind, so therefore the show. Because the show is an extension of thoughts. Because it's just words playing in your ears on a digital platform when you choose to, 
it's composed of the thoughts that were already thought and spoken. So that's how a podcast works. And that's fine. So these things I gave away built me and made me. And now I'm dealing with the fact that their physical remains are gone. So the resonance, the echo, the impact that makes you who you are, made me who I am. Now it's a little untethered, you know? Now it's a little less obvious. People aren't seeing it, but I know it. People can't, you know, see how the size of it, but I know it. I can't physically flip through it, but I know it, or I'm trying to. I mean, it's heritage, you know? It's family. It's how we deal with loss of family when somebody dies and they're gone. They, they, they leave a resonance, and to a degree, these things died because their physical bodies are gone, as a collector, I'm less of a collector now. As a pop culture connoisseur, if that's the pronunciation of the word I'm about to say it again, probably wrong, I'm no longer a connoisseur. I have the things, that was almost a George Takai impression, but it wasn't. I have things that matter to me. I have the books that I still want to read, and I do still, you, you got to understand, I, you don't have to understand, I'm expressing it. I'm, I'm still sitting in here looking at two Dinobots, Omega Supreme, two Gem Dolls, Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I still have remnants of it. We always, or I always do. But I unloaded a lot of it because honestly, it was exhausting. It was an effort. It would slow down and it was just too, it was a burden. And if you're just tucking something away in a hole in the space of a closet because you had it, you're not going to notice that till you move to a place that doesn't have that space. And suddenly you're like, oh, right, I got by without this. And that's not to say if I had kept it, if I had kept the comics, that there wouldn't have come a day where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to reread Identity Crisis. I'm going to go back and see what the black and white Ninja Turtle issues originally looked like. That could have happened and could have with the comics. And now it can't because I don't have the comics. I can get facsimiles of them, but I don't have them. And so that's the step with this show and with myself is like, I'm going to, I'm rethinking my connection with these things, but I'm also rethinking how we talk about it. What Bob and I do on the show, on this podcast, and we're not just playing, oh, do you remember? You know, we're not just saying, yeah, remember Jason and Wheeled Warriors? Yeah, I remember Jason and Wheeled Warriors. Remember Bionic Six? Well, I remember five of them. We're not just doing that. And there are shows that do that. And if that's what you want, you find those shows. This show... 20th century pop, its importance and, and why I've missed doing it, well, because I miss talking to Bob really is the main reason, but why I miss putting it out there is I think there is a narrative in the show that is slowly coming to light. And, and I don't know when it'll reach the conclusion. I hope not anytime soon because I want to keep doing this at least bi-weekly, if not weekly. We got to figure that schedule out anyways. But there's a narrative coming to the surface that is not that it's less about pop culture, but it's very much about who Bob and I see ourselves as now. And who are we becoming and how do we become that? Because I can't speak for Bob, but for me, there's a lot of resistance in becoming who, someone new, someone different, evolving. There's resistance to evolving. Which is why I've hoarded and held on to a lot of this stuff and why I talk about it and why I still relate to the world through the filter of it. And that's fine, but there is something that needs to evolve, move a step forward, mature, get a little closer to death. That's what it is. As we leave these things behind and start to drop off things, as we start to cut the ties and whittle down and par down what we have, we become a little more barren. 
And when we get to the end, we'll have none of this except the memories. You know, as I get older and move from house to house, I'm going to have less and less Lego figurines out. It's just the reality of it. Probably going to have less videos and video games. Should probably be called digital games right now. They're still called video because you look at them, but whatever. Um, Because as you get to your twilight years, which I'm not near yet, and who's to say I'll even make it to that? Apocalypse or poor choices could influence that. But we basically work towards lightening our load so that everything becomes memory. So everything becomes thought. So everything becomes our experiences in our head that are twisted, turned, and perverted. Because you can't hold on to it. I can't hold on to being young anymore because I'm almost 44 and that's not young. It's not old, but it's middle age and I need to be that. I need to think about what that means. That doesn't mean all of the, uh, the, 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 all the aspects that society says we should be focused on. I'm not getting a 401k or Y2k or, 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 or special K or, or, or whatever that is. I'm, I'm working on a savings account. I'm probably not investing. Uh, my partner and I are looking to do things together to build a future together with savings and purchases and things like that, working towards a home, working towards a car. There are goals now that are mature goals that weren't there a year ago, that weren't there six months ago, and not all of which will work out, and not all of which will be good for me, and not all of which I'll like. And there's still space for the past, you know, for things I used to do. I can still sit around and watch movies and talk through them. I can still wander toy stores if you can find one. There's some here in Salem. They're, they're wonderful. I can still go to the coffee shop and write like I did today. I can still fiddle with this Perceptor Creo Transformer figurine that's in my head right now. I can still do this. But I have to make space to do some other things. And that's scary and that's disappointing and that's a letdown because if if over the past year and talking with people i'd gotten from some friends that an aspect of myself that they've liked as a friend is that i always seem to be fully formed who i was in college was who i was out of college and i continued to be that and these are friends who are my age who went through college with me but then got jobs in their major or started families or bought houses or had to think of others. These are people whose life path was different from mine. And them saying, you've always, you know, you seem the same. I remember talking to my friend, Chris Nassini, who's been on this show and him saying, no, you pretty much seem the same as you were in college. And that that's what people liked. That was equal parts reaffirming and disappointing if something could be equal part those, but that's what it was. And that's fine. And that was this past year. And now I realize, well, okay, maybe some of that's true. But the, the, the reality is my life isn't just the same. My life isn't just wandering about, waiting to encounter people. My, my life involves another person, my partner. My life involves a relationship with my family that I grew up with. My a need now to reach out to friends, which is part of what talking to Bob every week is. My life just involves needing to feel like I'm still doing something. And good and feeling good about that. So as I streamline and got rid of some of the stuff, that was that's a physical, dramatic uh, symbol or example of change. But 
Sorry about taking a sip on mic. I'm just, my, my mouth was dry. A sip of water, I might add. This move, this symbolic physical move, and this purge, this symbolic plastic purge, were both necessary to my survival. And that doesn't mean I was going to die in Malden. It just means I wasn't going to be anything. I couldn't be the person I used to be because I was in Malden unhappy and the person I used to be wasn't in Malden and was a different kind of unhappy than that unhappy. But I couldn't move forward. There was no way to move forward in that house with all of that stuff. So this shift, this move, this shredding of possessions and, and everything else that goes with it is an attempt to survive. And how that impacts the podcast is, I, I think this podcast is more personal than I realized. I always thought we, we have the topic and that's what we talk about. But the, the few episodes before the break that we took, the hiatus that we took, the, there was an OK Soda episode, there was a Hootie and the Blowfish episode. Listening to those episodes, I was surprised at how much of the conversation wasn't specifically the topic wasn't specifically the tracks of the album we were talking about or, or the soda commercials that I thought we were going to talk about. They were really about who we were then and who we've become and the difficulties we were having. And again, I can only speak for myself, but I have a difficulty of accepting a place in society. I have a difficulty of belonging to something. And I have a difficulty because I don't, I still don't want to just settle. And I say settling. I don't want to just fit into the form of survival that works best for so many people, which is financial stability, a home and a family. I have an apartment that I want to set up. I have enough money to survive and I have a partner who I love. So I have those things. And now I want to reestablish with my friends and, and rebuild my, my, my friendships, but I don't want to lose my love, my connection, and my way of talking about this pop culture. But I don't have to carry it all and wear it all. So, yeah. This show, this podcast that Bob and I does, will always have, it'll always have a guiding topic. It needs that. Otherwise, it's self-indulgent. I mean, this right now is self-indulgent, but it's related loosely. But if Bob and I were just like, let's turn on the mics and see what, what clicks, how we, what we talk about, nobody wants to hear that. But when there's a focus of a topic... You know, here's the umbrella. We're going to talk about, you know, the, the, the Back to the Future trilogy. That's the point of reference. That's what people come to. And then in that, we learn about ourselves and hear about ourselves. And that, to me, is what this show is, figuring out. I mean, it's always been there in the, in the catchphrase, the whole, you know, understanding the present while living in the past. But I think now a, a tip of that is moving forward. What is our future for us as these two people? What are we trying to do? What are we doing and it's through the filter of the stuff that I like, you know, it's through this, the filter of talking about an album by the band X, you know, it's through a filter of, of, of the, you know, discussing the visage of Galactus or the fear of, of Skynet or any of these things. And so, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be gearing up to get back to doing this show and, and sincerely doing it. Bob and I, we've got an episode coming up next week our 99th official episode. Um, after that's the 100th episode. And then from there, it's a flexible show. It's a flexible format because it's really just people talking for an hour as it is today, a little less than an hour, I hope. Otherwise, this is way too long. But um, but yeah, where am I now? You know, I'm in Salem. What does that mean? It means I moved and I got rid of a lot of stuff. How does that impact you, a listener? 
I think you're going to hear it. I, I, something is going to be different. Not a different show. Not a different host co- and co-hosts. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm poised. I'm in, I'm on a precipice. I'm 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 on the verge of maybe being. I don't want to say comfortable because I've never been comfortable. But I'm on the verge. I think of at least feeling like, oh, that's me, which I haven't had in a while. And then again, in regards to this podcast, I I come closest when Bob and I have a com or a guest and I have a conversation where something personal and painful comes up because that is when I feel the most alive. <laughs> And I think you're going to hear that more on this show. I mean, it's, it's still a light podcast. It's still a comedy podcast. It's still about pop culture. But now I feel like I am comfortable exploring not just how I got here, but where I'm going. Because I'm finally moving forward. There's finally some momentum. And there hasn't been momentum for me since this podcast first started in 2017, which was the last big push of doing something creative. And it's it's great. It's great that Bob and I put our minds together and came up with the show and learned how to do it, you know, for almost a hundred official episodes plus bonus episodes. So for, 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 uh, for two years, two and a half years, we, and we learned how to do that. So that's great. So now it's moving forward with some new momentum where we were, where we are, and where we're going, blah, blah, blah. That the, I was trying to quote back to the future, but I didn't, um, pitfalls, the promise, something, I don't know the line, but, 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 but look, I, I, I really thought this was just going to be 10 minutes, not, 42 minutes or whatever it is. I just wanted to, one, I wanted to see if I could still do this into a microphone, which I can, but I wanted to let you know, listeners who have listened to us, that I appreciate having listeners and I'm glad to have the show because the show isn't a friendship. It's working with a friend and that he and I have that connection, but to put this out there as a show, there needs to be a purpose and that purpose is to get to an audience and you as an audience being patient and coming back to this and listening to this today, that means a lot. The fact that you agreed to listen to this, you know, the fact that in two months, you probably didn't think about the show, but you didn't, you know, seeing it come back up again, you're like, oh, I'm past that. You came back. So thank you. I'm ready now to do this show. Justice. No, that was stupid. Can I take that? <laughs> I'm ready to do the show. That's all. I want to do the show. I'm looking forward to doing the show, Dad. So next week, uh, Bob and I will be here. We're, we're talking uh, about movies. The summer will have started. So next week, we're, we're, uh, Bob and I will be here talking about the movies of 1997. An important year. 1997, as you'll hear, is a pretty important year. That's the year Bob and I both graduated college. So a lot of things were kind of coinciding with the movies that were, were released. So that's up next Thursday. Um, this Thursday, this is up, so this is what you're listening to. And again, uh, you're probably listening to it because you're subscribed to the show already. But if you're not, if you need a little reminder to be, uh, 20th Century Pop is a bi-weekly podcast that hopefully will get back to being weekly, but for now it's bi-weekly, um, with these little bonus episodes splintered you know, in there. Uh, and you can find it at 20podcast.com, the main website for the show. The most recent episode is always streaming right there on the homepage. There's also links to all of our past episodes, as well as links to how to uh, subscribe to the show, which is what I would encourage you if you haven't done yet to do. Or if you know someone who likes the show, subscribe to it. Get, you know, get updated. You don't have to listen to every episode, but something will, will, will hopefully get your intrigue and you'll listen to some of them. Uh, just trying to keep the audience we have and build it to more. I uh, would love to hear what you think. Um, a lot of the, 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 depending on how you listen to podcasts, the platform you listen to, like I know like Apple Podcasts, 
It gives you the chance to write a review. If you, if you could do that, that would be great. I mean, wait for an episode, obviously, of content to do that. But yeah, check out 20podcasts.com to subscribe to the show. You can also follow us on Twitter um, at, at 20podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at 20podcast. And uh, you can come back next week, next Thursday, because that's when Bob and I, I and Bob, will be, uh, you know, talking again. And it'll be more interesting than just this. I am winded. I am exhausted. That was 44 minutes with only one pause to sip some water. And yet somehow, despite only one pause for water, I got to go to the bathroom. So um, thank you, people. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be here. We'll have a show uh, next next Thursday. Without a catchphrase, it feels more sincere, but it also just feels like there's no real way to tie this up. So obviously this little rambling at the end of each episode is our catchphrase. It's a lack of a catchphrase posing as a catchphrase. So inherently that has become our uh, catchphrase. 